Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Adam Pranica. I'm your other host, Ben Harrison. Hey, Ben. Hey, Adam. This is podcast episode three of the day for us. Yeah. Have you ever done this many podcasts in one day? Uh, I'm having a very pod-heavy week. Uh, I'm going to be... I'm going to be like five or six podca- podcasts down by Wednesday. Wow. And uh, and then I'm off to Max Funcon East, so. <laughs> Do you feel like you need podcast fluid for all of them? I feel like I need it for this one. <laughs> there you go. Uh, do you find you get better with more reps like that, or are you feeling a little run down? Um, well... It's hard to say. I think that we should leave that to the viewers to determine. Oh, they let us know. But if I do sound bad at the end of this episode, please don't write me and tell me that I wasn't as great as normal. (laughs) Everyone likes to hear that. (laughs) Somebody sent us a shitty note about hearing some some faint noises in the background of a, a recent episode. Are you feeding the trolls, Ben? Is that what this is? Yeah. Every episode. (laughs) yeah yeah uh we of course welcome and appreciate all the feedback we get but i wonder sometimes check your fucking tone just check your tone (laughs) you know you can be nice about it i'm fucking exhausting myself right now doing this (laughs) ben i think you're doing a great job not many people could do what you do as often as you do it with me adam uh i think that I think about this a lot. I think that the success of this podcast is largely based off of how funny you are, and <laughs> to a very much lesser extent, me being here also. <laughs> that is incredibly kind and totally incorrect of you to say, but I appreciate it. I, I'm feeling a little little rikery at the moment. I like I like a compliment, but I don't like it at anyone's anyone else's expense. So. It's not a zero-sum game. I mean, I think I do bring a couple of things to the table, but I just think you're uh, I think you're a... Uh, I'm glad that I get to be your podcast partner and not somebody else be your podcast partner because... I Me too, like, man. I feel like a lot of the, uh, a lot of the lulls, I get, to, I get to get at them first. Well, you make this incredibly easy for me, so thanks, pal. Hey, uh, while we're, uh, I mean, not, while we're busy sucking each other's popsicles, (laughs) why don't we turn the page very quickly over to, uh, some other popsicle sucking scenes, Mm -hmm. uh, from season three, episode 21, specifically, Hollow Pursuits. Let's do it. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. So... Troy enters 10 forward, and there is, uh, at this point, unknown uh, lieutenant chilling at 10 forward, and he's kind of drinking and being being kind of a jerk to everybody. His booze seems to be working, doesn't y- it? Yeah, this is no this is no sim- synthaholic situation. This is uh, this is the real poop. I don't want any trouble here, Barkley. 
Gannon's like, hey, why don't you take it easy on that poop? <laughs> you're, you're getting a little out of hand here, Buster. Yeah, and Buster uh, Brown. And uh, Jordy comes up and he's like, hey, hey, uh, Reg, like you, you, you're supposed to be at work right now. You're in here drinking. Like, what the fuck is your problem? <laughs> and, uh, and it gets to a point where uh, this character, Reginald Barkley, gives Jordy a push. Get out of my life. And it sends him like flying across the room. And then uh, Riker gets up and intervenes. And and uh, this guy's just like, he's big dogging the shit out of everybody in here. And, and by the time he's done big dogging Riker, uh, Troy is there watching him. And she's just like, oh, mama. That is what I call a man. I feel your confidence. Your arrogant resolve. Yeah, she's feeling him big time. Yeah. Uh, we come to realize that uh, this is this is a holodeck program. So I guess uh, Reginald Barkley is trying to give the writers of this television show a run for their money and who can make Troy more of a sex object and less of a character. <laughs> yeah, this is a pretty fun cold open, I thought. Mm-hmm. Really, really playing with expectations a little bit. Totally. You get to see uh, Riker's arm pinned behind his back yep. and, like, cast aside, like, <laughs> so much dirty laundry. Yeah. No one treats Riker like that. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> so you get the impression right away, what the fuck is up with this guy? Like, this guy's an asshole. He's a bad man. Because wherever you go, trouble follows. Until he gets, uh, he gets a radio call. Yeah. And then he's like, uh, I'll be right there. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and at that point, like, he, he devolves into, into the Reginald Barkley that we will get to know throughout the episode. Totally. So uh, he's, a, he's a diagnostic engineer, and he's been called down to the cargo bay. He's, like, showing up late for work and tries to, tries to sneak in behind some, some of the stacked-up <laughs> junk and... Uh, you ever do this? You show up late for a call on accident, and you like, you you go to the grip truck or something, mm-hmm. and you go uh, go help the, go help empty the grip truck. I am How, I am familiar with filmmakers that do this, Adam, but I never uh, show up late for a call. Yeah, me neither. I'm just saying that that's a behavior I've seen before. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. I'm usually uh, the director, Ben. Yeah, I, I know. Can start without me. Yeah. You're you're a big important man. Um, I'm usually the director, and I am uh, usually the director where I have, like, one PA and one camera guy, and that's it. Mm. <laughs> or lady, camera lady. You got to get that truck. I know. The truck will really help you out. Ugh, I love it when I have a crew. I know. Get to focus on story. I know. It's amazing. And that's what, that's what Barkley's doing. He's, he has the benefit of working on a team, and he's hoping that... that uh, he can be invisible, and that's really a problem because on the Enterprise, no one's invisible. Yeah, and, and uh, Jordy is having this conversation with Riker, like, this guy is like, I can't believe he got stationed on the Enterprise. Like, this is supposed to be the hottest crew in the fleet, and this guy is just, he he, he fucking sucks. Like, he's, he's late for work. He doesn't do his best work on anything. He's weird. He's hard to be around. Ben, this was as out of place feeling as the cold open to me. Like this cold open starts and you see a guy 
being a dick to everyone and and like being physically violent. And then in a different scene, you get Jordy kind of shit talking another crewman, and it feels just as strange and wrong because yeah, you just never see a, a bridge officer talk about someone else like that. It's no, weird, right? Yeah, I mean, and and this episode is a Barkley episode. Like Barkley is the main character of the episode. And it spends a lot of time below decks with this kind of, you know, a guy that you would uh, typically have as like a background character on on the show. So it, it sort of starts to open up this idea like what what is, you know, Jordy presumably has like dozens of people that work for him. Riker is the second banana on the ship. So everybody basically works for him. And, like, what are the command styles of all these characters who we normally just see being, you know, you know, reporting to Captain Picard and being his yeah. inferiors? Yeah, that group dynamic that you don't typically get. Yeah. So um, the, the problem is that they've got some, like, floaty platform that they're trying to move some medical samples around on, and it keeps, it keeps like, unfloating <laughs> and breaking the medical samples. And it's a real problem when you're when your floaty thing doesn't float anymore. Yeah, um, it's sort of like uh, Luke Skywalker's car in A New Hope. Oh yeah, yeah, it just kind of like hovers slightly. Uh, yeah, this this gurney has a bad invisible wheel. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, let's get some like some like ribbon wound around one of the axles. Um, you always get the shopping cart at the grocery store with I the wobble. Oh, such a pisser. <laughs> yeah, it's like. It's like not that big a deal when there's nothing in it because it's so light. You can just push it around. And you like barely consider it a problem. By the time it gets heavy, it's like that thing is pulling to the left like nobody's business. Right. And what happens here is this uh, this this cart drops a can of pop, mm-hmm. and it's spraying everywhere. People are pissed. Yeah. These, these samples are important, and they're and they're cracking. Yeah. O'Brien's in there. <laughs> He's like. <laughs> Give me a fucking break. I want to go back and be alone in my beautiful transporter room. People have expectations in the cargo bay. Yeah. And I don't have any, like, crazy jargon to unload on people in here. Double dumbass on you! Yeah. Speaking of fish out of water, you get, uh... <laughs> you get O'Brien out of the transporter room. Things start to get weird. So Barkley is like is a problem, and he's a problem for Jordy. And Riker has seen him pop up on, you know, a lot of you know he's getting written up a lot, and so he's a problem for Riker. And eventually, they take this this to the captain. They're like, Cap, we got this guy that just like he is he he ain't Enterprise material, and uh, we'd like to explore options for maybe not having him there anymore. Why don't we call up the hood? Get the hood out here. <laughs> Stick Barkley on the hood. Yeah. It'd be great, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone likes the hood. It's all good in the hood. I mean, it's no Enterprise. No. Even they'll, even they'll tell you that. Yeah, Captain DeSoto knows that the Enterprise is a better ship with better people on it. He's hood material, all right. <laughs> I've always thought so. Yeah, uh, you can take Barkley out of the hood, but you can take the hood out of Barkley. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, yeah, and Picard, like many leaders I've known, has taken the note 
about a problem and instead of solving the problem personally has gone, why don't you try solving the problem a little harder? It's easy to transfer a problem to someone else. Too easy. Captain, it's not like I haven't tried. Try harder, Jordy. Right. Which is um, not always a bad management tactic. Not at all. I meant that as complimentary. Like Totally. Was, but when it, you're the person asking for the boss to push the big red button that makes everything yeah, better, it can be fucking sucks to be asked to like step up your own shit, you know? Yeah, yeah. Captain Picard's like, uh, Jordy, you got to make him your best friend. Like, really get close to the guy. That's that's how you'll make him into a better officer. Yeah. And Jordy's like, I don't have any friends. <laughs> and I don't know how to make them. Yeah. This is actually a really great deal for Jordy. Like, because for once, he is not the creepiest guy on the ship. <laughs> totally. Jordy should be wanting to keep Barkley around. Yeah, like a group of girls in high school that, that keep one kind of less attractive girl in, yeah. their, in their group. <laughs> it's probably a horrible thing to say. Uh. Yeah, like in that SNL sketch, uh, the the Gap Girls, where Chris Farley is the <laughs> yeah. ugly Gap Girl. Totally. <laughs> Jordy's chatting up a girl in 10 Forward, and it's like, look, I know I'm a real creep, but at least I'm not that guy. Lay off me, I'm starving! At least I know how to fold sweaters. Yeah. <laughs> So, Jordy gets some marching orders, and uh, and he finds Barkley in the cargo bay, burning the midnight oil. And he's like, hey, bud, how's it going? Yeah, Barkley's, like, sitting there, like, cross-legged, like, tinkering with this thing, which made me feel like he really is, like, working pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Jordy's like, hey, man, you're doing the best you can. Like, it's a total about face for Jordy. Right, because he's been, he's been, like, chewing Barkley's ass up until now. It's interesting that in Barclay's form of, I don't even know what you'd want to call his malady. Like, how would you characterize him? Well, he's definitely got some social anxiety, maybe a little bit spectrumy, but it's more just that he's somehow unconfident of his ability to operate in this environment. And it's like compromising him in some yeah. way. What's interesting about this scene, though, and what I was getting at was, like, whatever he's dealing with does not have that that paranoid or cynical component that would be, I mean, even to me, like, if someone changed their behavior around me as much as Jordy did, I would be like, uh, what's the deal, dude? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. like, like, you hated me two hours ago, and now you're inviting me to tomorrow's staff meeting? Like... Yeah. To hang out, what's up? And uh, Barkley never posits that. It is a tiny principle of a dark lady's face. Now you can't find it within yourself to stand up and tell the truth. You don't deserve to wear that uniform. Most of the episode is kind of them working on this problem that sort of starts to spin out of control. And it's like, it's sort of like in a detective story when there's like a second mystery that winds up being like part of the same case as the first mystery mm -hmm. when a murderer turns into some serial killing yeah like you start you start tying stuff together right so like a bunch of the engineering team is chilling in 10 forward and uh one of them discovers that his uh his whiskey glass has a hole in the bottom of it and they're like <laughs> this is like a great scene because it's it's like wes Jordy, data and this 
no-name engineer. I believe you're talking about Lieutenant Duffy. And they're like, what? There's a problem with your glass? <laughs> yeah. What? They're like outraged. They cannot wrap their minds around the idea that a mundane, everyday object would have a defect. Yeah. Like that speaks so many volumes about what life in, you know, in the 24th century is like for citizens of the Federation. I mean, I've read about broken glasses in history books. Yeah. <laughs> but this is incredible. Yeah. A real life broken glass. Like Data picks it up and he's like, like this merits more research. And they like <laughs> run down to engineering with it and they're like scanning it. And they're like, there's no radiation on it. Like... Jordy's looking at it all visory like and <laughs> and he doesn't see anything structurally wrong with it but the molecular uh cohesion has broken down or something and they're like what the fuck is going on and they're like maybe there's something wrong with the electrical system on the ship and the person that we have on staff that would be tasked with dealing something like that happens to be Lieutenant Barkley so they yell over at him and they're like hey <laughs> Why don't you check out the electrical systems on the ship? And he's like, uh, I, I was going to do that. And they're like, why? And he's like, oh, I think it has something to do with why that floaty gurney thing wasn't working also. So it's it's like uh, there's something something wrong with the ship. Yeah, and it's pretty serious. What is not serious is the B story, which is the way that Barkley copes with his feelings about work and his relationships with the crew is by setting up holodeck programs, much like the cold open where he yeah. gets to be the hero and everyone else are sort of cartoonishly inept uh, based on, on the environment that they're in. And, and Barkley uh, for most of these holodeck scenes prefers a, a sort of Nottingham setting yeah, but, like, there's kind of two sides of this. One uh, is the sides where he's, like, um, buckling swashes with with <laughs> men that have uh, ranks higher than him. Yeah. But the other side is the ones that start, like, kind of pornos, where, like, he's, like, yeah. supposed to be in therapy with Troy, and she's like, why don't you let your hair down and loosen up that uniform and... Let me let me help you work some of this out. And he's got a couple of different uh, pull downs on the on the porn tube. He's got enterprise like simulations, and he's got Robin Hood right. fixations, yeah. like bodice ripper, like <laughs> like fantasy novel setting with like. Yeah. But f- for some reason, uh, the the uh, the three musketeers are there right <laughs> but yeah like and and he kind of like switches in between them like it's like oh like this porno is not quite what i'm in the mood for so i'll try this porno instead <laughs> like right it's real it's real it's like it's like this chick but different setting you know <laughs> and wouldn't you know it jordy ends up looking for barkley who is late for another shift and ends ends up walking into one of these holodeck programs yeah. And what's going on here seems pretty pervy, doesn't it? Jordy, of course, no stranger to being caught doing embarrassing things on the holodeck. Right. Is probably the best person to find him in that position, huh? Yeah, and and really to his credit like is, you know, he's like put put off a little bit at first, but then he's like, "Now, as far as I'm concerned, what you do in the holodeck is your own business. You know, like, I could see this being legitimately therapeutic, like having 
your boss in like pantaloons and like fighting him with a sword like there's nothing like objectively wrong with it and i can relate to the like falling in love side of it too i've spent a few hours on the holodeck too you know but like let's not have it conflict with our like the task we have to do as starfleet officers and like we we stay uh dealing with this problem that is causing the ship to slowly have more and more problems and uh and that's no bueno man it could have been so much worse if you're geordie yeah like he could have he could have caught Barkley doing some crazy shit. And, and <laughs> yeah, the and the holiday programs are only like only suggesting the possible nightmare that happens behind a tree. Yeah, uh, with any one of these characters, it is very very heavily implied that this shit gets really off the hook. <laughs> yeah. My, my, my love is a Guinan plays a big part in this episode. Yeah, she, I was just going to say, Jordy goes to talk to Guinan and is like, have you seen this guy around the bar? What do you think of him? You seem to have a good grasp of time, space, and, <laughs> uh, and oddities of the universe. Where do you classify this guy? Yeah. And Guinan, to her credit, is like, no, no, like, he's, he's just different, you know? He's, he's working out some shit. Um, he mostly keeps to himself. He's not anything to be afraid of. He's just a creative, sensitive type. So, yeah. And this is so, another like I would say like the C storyline to the extent that there is one is like seeing yeah. the different ways that Guinan and Troy uh have to manage the mental health of crew members. And it's kind of interesting because I think mm. that Guinan is not like a competitor for Troy, but a a supplement to her in this in this context because at one point Reg has a non fantasy porno meeting with Troy where he's like supposed to be there for actual therapy and he is like way too worked up and not in the right frame of mind to be like unpacking his shit and he like he he bolts out of there but i think that like the pressure of Troy being kind of the official mental health practitioner on the ship is too much for him in that moment. Yeah. There's nothing she can do to unmake herself as being that, you know? So, so Guinan is there as the kind of like unofficial backup and, and provides a lot of insight that I think that Troy probably appreciates. Yeah. She's definitely the different taste in the mental health department. And look, I mean, if Guinan wanted Troy's job, she could have it like, yeah, I think she has lifetimes more qualifications to do it. She also has that sweet orange costume. Yeah, great costume on this episode. That fucking orange costume is so good. It's great. It's real great. So uh, one thing that we probably should mention uh, and that we haven't so far is that there's like a running joke of people calling him Lieutenant Broccoli. Young Mr. Crusher started that. I guess it's caught on. Let's just get that uncaught, shall we? There's a big comedic moment when the captain uh, comes and discusses this uh, situation that they're working on uh, with with Barkley and uh, slips up and calls him Lieutenant Broccoli to his face. And it's the first time anybody has actually done that. And uh, 
boy, the look on Picard's face is no priceless. one takes it well. Oh my god, it's so this scene is so perfectly uncomfortable, and it's brutal. And you stay on Picard's face for yeah, an, an extra three beats just to really mush it in. Oh my god, he wants to crawl out of his skin. <laughs> I think that's the moment where Barkley sort of amps up the the hollow porn. Right. I mean, they're they're troubleshooting this issue with the Enterprise that is becoming more of an issue, more yeah. of an exit, more of a, a catastrophic issue. Really, yeah. It starts to affect the transporters. Uh, they sh- there's a scene where they like run a transporter test, and it you know takes one of those test cylinders and turns it into a smoldering wreck. O'Brien's like, you're gonna have to believe me when I tell you that this isn't normal. <laughs> and so they're like, there's something running rampant through the ship. We have no idea what it is. It's not any of the things that we would normally attribute this to. And we don't have any way of like predicting what's getting fucked up next. And so they're like, Barkley's the only one that seems to like be able to work on stuff like this. So like, is, he's like no showing for work. He's not answering his communicator. Computer, locate Lieutenant Barkley. Lieutenant Barkley is in holodeck too. Who do we have? It's Riker... Jordy and Troy. Yeah. Jordy's a little bit prepared, and so he tells Riker and Troy, like, look, you guys, uh, is, you might is, see some fucked up shit. Yeah. Where we are going, no man has gone before. And Riker, to his credit, is like, who do you think you're talking to? <laughs> like, Riker's like, I've seen the sexual equivalent of attack ships on fire off of uh, Orion's belt. Like, <laughs> like, there is, I promise you, nothing behind this door that could surprise me or shock me. Yeah. Yeah. And Riker's like, Riker is fucking pissed. <laughs> like, Riker is in no mood in this episode. I've had it with him. And uh, they go in. And so Barkley's characters that show up in, in this fantasy bodice ripper world are the following there are the three musketeers who are played by captain picard geordie and data shall we have at them delighted we shall thrash them there is like sexy dr crusher good morning my lord almost bared breast goddess troy cast off your inhibitions and embrace love and there is Wesley the boy in like fancy pants eating pie out like a, an entire pie slice by slice. What do you want? <laughs> this has got to be the moment when Will Wheaton decided to leave the show. I think <laughs> I'm convinced that this is it. <laughs> oh man, he's game for this though. Like he really yeah. he throws himself into this role. Oh, and the funniest character that uh, that. Parkley has on the holodeck is Mini Riker. On guard! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Boy, uh, we've, we've seen a, uh, this uh, just a little bit so far, but this is, uh, this is Jonathan Frakes doing high comedy, uh, running out like, like a little boy, enthusiastic for the fray. And, uh, and, you know, it's like a lot of green screen camera tricks, but they, uh, they make it look like Barkley has programmed the holodeck Riker character to be about four feet tall. <laughs> He's got a little bit of a helium voice too, like not full helium, but as the helium's wearing off, yeah. you get that that little bit of high voice. Mm-hmm. 
I don't think Frakes gets enough credit as being a physical actor, but this season he's done a lot of like, especially comedically, he's totally. very physically funny. Mm-hmm. He doesn't overdo it, which is good, but man, it, it always lands. Yeah. So good job, Frakes. And so there's a lot of brinksmanship of like, you know, Riker wanting to delete his character and Troy going like, no, this is therapeutic. And then uh, her character appears and it's just like a total sex object. And she's like, delete that. And he's like, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. But there's the, a surprise around every corner. Yeah. They and and they're they're like very concerned that the next corner might be the one that they go around and see Barkley sticking it into something, and uh, fortunately they find him uh, passed out on Doctor Crusher's lap, and uh, you know he gets scolded. They all leave the holodeck, and uh, and this is when the the situation starts to get really tense because the ship is speeding up out of control and Barkley and Jordy have to figure out what the fuck is going on. And like, they don't really have any time left to do it. They're, they're looking at the ship starting to like break apart because it's going too fast in the next 15 minutes. I am the cutest of all. There are four lights. This timeline felt especially urgent. Like, yeah. It really tells you how dangerous it is to go at high speeds in this ship. Like, they've got to get this brick off of the gas pedal pronto, yeah. and no one has any idea how to do it. Yeah, and there's, there's like starting this, from zero. There's this tense scene where all of the engineering staff are, are, or the senior staff are, like, meeting around the big engineering table, and... Uh, and Barkley's like, wait, 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 wait. Maybe we've been thinking about this all wrong. We're thinking about it like in terms of a system diagnostic thing. What about like thinking about who has been in contact with all the systems that have broken? Like who was there when the when the gurney broke? Who was there when all of the other shit broke? And they realized that maybe it's a substance that the ship can't naturally scan for that is at play. They start narrowing it down, and they figure out that it's something that was in one of those medical samples that they, you know, is like it's like a material that the Federation would never use for something like this, but a more primitive society might. Their ship can't scan for this material, and it's like on all of the engineers, and so like everything they've touched has started to like melt at the molecular level. Yeah, it feels almost like a virus, right? Yeah. And like like the scene where they like verify it is really great because uh, Barkley and Jordy go back down to the cargo bay and they like get one of these men, uh, medical sample canisters and they're wearing like Michael Jackson gloves mm-hmm. and they're, they're like digging around in the in the canisters and then scanning the gloves and and they get one of those black lights that you're not supposed to use in Riker's cabin right and uh, it goes all sparkly yeah. The mystery is solved when they're able to confirm that it's this leaky test tube that's been spread across the ship, and what they need to do is sort of cryogenically freeze it, right? Yeah, and they're like, is, I mean, if we freeze the the uh, deuterium injectors or the plasma manifolds, there's no telling what will happen to them at this point, because <laughs> they're pretty fucked up as it is, but there's... There's not really anything else we can do. So they they go ahead and try it, and, and uh, lo and behold, they're able to regain control of the warp reaction and 
get the ship under control, slow it down. And, uh, and the day is saved. And it was Barclay's insight into what the, what the problem was that, uh, that saved it. Yeah. Barclay's the hero. Barclay wins. Yeah. Overcomes his, uh, his personal shortcomings to, to be a real Starfleet professional. So the last scene in the show is is uh, Barkley walking onto the bridge and saying goodbye to the crew. He's like, guys, I want to thank you for everything. Uh, it's been a pleasure to serve with you. Uh, it's, a, it's a feeling that's shared by the rest of the crew. And then, uh, then Barkley turns off the program. It turns out he's saying goodbye to his holodeck programs and not <laughs> the actual crew. Yeah. Uh, he, tells the, he asks the computer to delete all of his programs. Uh, not so fast. Save that one program with the butt stuff. <laughs> Which, uh, I don't know if you've ever deleted a bunch of uh, pornographic material or thrown away a bunch of magazines, but that, that rang true. <laughs> you keep the one? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was interesting, like, in the future, in the, in the 24th century, the computer never asks, are you sure, <laughs> the way it does now. Yeah. Like, the computer's ready to delete. It will delete. Yeah. Good for the computer. <laughs> you should know what you want to do. Barkley's like, uh, whatever the computer equivalent is of stashing a magazine in the woods. That's what, he's, <laughs> that's what he's doing with this holodeck program, the one last one. Yeah. I think it's got to be weird, though. Like, So Barkley's the hero of the day, right? I yeah. mean, the, the bridge crew, quote unquote, likes him again. I mean, he's still got to look him in the eyes and... And they're going to know that he's done, like, he stuck his dick in all of them. Yeah, absolutely. But I think they're used to that with Riker, and they all <laughs> like Riker. They, uh, I think, is it Geordi or is it Riker that makes reference to protocol on the holodeck about, uh, about holographic images of real people? And Geordi corrects him yeah. in sort of a... It may be protocol, but it's not an official rule, and it's not a computer rule about what you create there. I thought that was an interesting bit of of fuzziness, you know? Like, yeah. well, you, you know, can, I, but you shouldn't. Here's, here's uh, you know, Riker says, well, it ought to be. And I think that just plays into the fact that Riker's whole shit is rampant is consent. consent. Yeah. You know? Like, he doesn't want to fuck a simulacrum of somebody because that doesn't smell right to him. Yeah. Ultimate consent. Mm-hmm. Well put. That checks out. Adam, did you like this episode? I really did. It's Boy, it started out rocky, though. I it's, <laughs> It started really broad for me, and mm-hmm. so I wasn't sure if it was going to work thereafter, and... and my memory of it was that it was real goofball. And, you know, I don't really like the episodes where the bridge crew dresses up in costumes and plays on the holodeck. Yeah, it's as, always as like rule. weird period piece stuff in this show. Yeah, but, uh, you know, because there was a sexual component here, I, th- I, thought, <laughs> I found that amusing. So, so it worked for me. How about you, Ben? I really like it, too. I think it's a great little parable about... Um, you know the the frustrations of dealing with anxiety and and you know not being confident in yourself and uh you know like it's it's 
it's it's an interesting episode. There's not really any villain, and everybody really kind of wants the same thing, but it's it's a guy that's having a tough time getting out of his own way, and sure. I can definitely relate to that. Uh, I think anybody can. Yeah, um, social anxiety or not, Barkley came to the All-Star team where yeah. everyone knows each other, and he's the new guy, and everyone is great at what they do, and Barkley may or may not be. That's or a lot at least of pressure. Having a hard time demonstrating that. Yeah, totally. Adam, I think we have something coming in over the subspace. Want to check it out? Yeah, let's do that. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income. Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. By the interest alone, could be enough to buy this ship. Our first priority one message is of a personal nature. And it comes from Trent Graham, who is going by the name Shirat, S-J-U-R-A-T, I think is how you might pronounce that if you were guessing the way I am. (laughs) It's to all viewers? It's to all podcast viewers. Wow. The message goes like this. Right now, I've got a couple words for some of our brothers and sisters in the occupied zone. Quote, the chair is against the wall, the chair is against the wall. Unquote. And then, new quote, John has a long mustache. John, John has a long mustache, unquote. It's 12 o'clock American, another day closer to victory. Wow. I, I think forces have been activated at the sound of my voice, Ben, and I'm a little disturbed at the thought. Yeah, is this like some, some, like, uh, some like covert terrorist communication shit? I don't know. Uh, nobody named Trent has ever been a terrorist, though, right? Was I just giving a message to Ed Snowden? I don't know, man. Uh, I do kind of want to entertain the idea that maybe this is the drunken priority one message that we've been fantasizing about getting. Oh, that'd be great. Wouldn't that be good? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Uh, <laughs> More drunk messages, please. Well, thank you, Sajrat, for sending that. We got anything else? Uh, we have yet another personal Priority One message. Personal Priority One, like a personal pan pizza. <laughs> Individually sized. Yeah, get it at the ballpark. Make everybody that has a hot dog envy you a little bit. Made just for Leah and Dan from Joe. The message goes like this. Actually, do you want to read this one, Ben? Sure. Leah and Dan, I am so glad I finally tricked you into getting hooked on The Greatest Generation. Now we have more to talk about when you invite us over for dinner. Don't let Dan do any more smelting in the house. Your friend, Nukank. Nukank? Nuknack. Nuknack? Nuknack. P.S. Shout out to Bill Tilly. (laughs) It could be... Knuck knack, like the uh, like the Tin Man. Tin Man. Shout out to Bill Tilly. I love that. It's not just a message for Leah and Dan. Yeah. It's also a message to our pal Bill. Yeah, Bill Tilly. I and I was just thinking about how much value Bill Tilly has added for free to this show. What a great guy. It makes me feel guilty that he's that he's doing such a great job. Yeah. Over and over again on behalf of our stupid show. I hope he doesn't feel like obligated at all because he's not. It's just like the greatest thing ever. 
Joe, thank you so much for sending this Priority One message to your friends. And uh, if anybody out there would like to send a Priority One message, it's real simple. You just go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron and you sign right up. You can uh, put in a personal message for $100 or a commercial message for $200. And uh, if you look at the conversion rate to scarves right now, I think you'll find that that is very competitive. So uh, thanks to everybody who supports the show. You might feel like you'll forget about doing this when you're drunk. Here's what you do. You bookmark that page. Yeah. You bookmark it so it's always there, ready to go when you're four drinks in. Mm-hmm. Call, call the bartender over and say, hey, uh, I want to keep my tab open, but can I just look at the numbers on the front of my credit card really quickly? <laughs> and then give it right back to him. And then Perfect. go back the next day because you forgot it there because you were so drunk when you left. These messages are getting weirder and weirder, and especially over the last few weeks. I, I'm excited to see where this goes. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Darmok Angelad one of the amazing things about making the greatest generation is getting to see all of the cool creative stuff that the friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen. Because these are very low dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. 
Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a real or holographic Drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! <laughs> There's a lot of holographic Shimodas in this, aren't there? Yeah. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to take the coward's way out and defer this one to you because I, uh, I snuck this one in on my lunch hour today and I'm not, uh, I did not remember to write down a Shimoda. Lunch, Shimoda. <laughs> Here's where I went with this. Um, I gave the Shimoda to Dwight Schultz, who was the actor who played Barkley. Mm-hmm. When this cold open begins, I alluded to this earlier. I thought this was going to be a garbage episode <laughs> because he's going real broad, like real John Wayne-ish on the in the 10 forward lounge like i like it really felt like jim carrey's school of acting (laughs) i thought it was going to be garbage but as the episode went on dwight schultz like really nuanced up his acting quite a bit like yeah physically there's so much going on like with his hands and his arms and his posture and the way he walks and all of these components made up a whole person with a lot of issues. And I feel like he pulled that performance out of the fire. And I don't know if they shot this episode linearly. I bet they didn't. But it really felt like to a viewer that he he started out in a really bad place, yeah. character-wise and acting-wise. And by the end, I really appreciated his work as an actor here. I thought it was really solid. It's, it, could have been so ham and cheese and there are times when when it was a little ham or a little cheese but it was never it was never to the detriment of the episode of the character so i'm going to give it to him just as a as a nod shimoda yeah this is the first time that i can think of where they've introduced a character that is going to be a recurring like secondary Enterprise character who can be like the central focus of an episode. Yeah. Yeah, the feature player on the episode. Yeah. And like they built an episode around this actor, and this actor like totally rose to this challenge. You know, like all of the other people on this show have had two and a half years to get into character, and he fucking like. He, like, steps up to the plate and knocks it right out of the park, in in my opinion. Well, that makes me think, like, how it works 
on set, if you are Dwight Schultz showing up and you're just hitting batting practice fastballs into the bleachers. Totally. Like, how does that make a column meanie feel? <laughs> who's, who's getting maybe one line an ep? Who has been, like, waiting, you know? Who is a great actor who has been like just sort of in the chorus of the show. I wonder if there's any tension there between actors. I wonder. That's a good question. I don't know. Huh. Got to uh, rewatch this and see if uh, Colm is giving <laughs> Dwight like like the stink eye in the background. Double middles shots. in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, in my, in my blabbering on, were I'm, you able to improvise a Shimoda? I'm going to go with what you said. Fair enough. I am locute as a board. You will respond to my questions. I am locute as a board. You are bored. What do we have coming up on the next episode? The next episode is season three, episode 22. The most toys. <laughs> the crew leaves Data for dead when his shuttlecraft explodes during a dangerous mission. <laughs> Our androids are the most dead. <laughs> Nobody's deader than our androids. A lot of people think they have some dead androids. We're going to kill our androids and we're going to make them pay for it. Believe me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So it sounds like uh, Data's death wish is finally <laughs> successful. I guess so. I feel some sense of relief about this. Yeah. Uh, do you remember this at all? Not one bit. Do you? Um, not from you, this description. Yeah. Yeah, kind of a blank description, isn't it? Is this the one where he's like uh it's like a it's like a con artist who's who's uh, he's like a collector and he's got all this like weird obscure shit and he oh, wants data? That that totally brought it back for me. Yeah, I remember this episode. He's like he's like sit in the chair and data's oh, yeah. like <laughs> Data's like I'm not I'm not going to sit in your chair just because you tell me to. And then the guy holds a phaser up to someone, and he's like, if you don't sit in the chair, I'm going to blow this woman's brains out. <laughs> what like, do you right. do? What <laughs> yeah. do you do? He totally speeds data. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, uh, one hostage situation that our viewers don't have to deal with is the choice between uh, dying or contributing to the production of our program. <laughs> That's a great point, Adam. People could go to MaximumFun.org slash donate and contribute to our show or not. And either way, they won't be murdered. Yeah, it's, there are no life or death consequences to that decision. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, if nothing else, if you were to give us a nice review on uh, whatever podcast provider you use to listen to our show that's also super appreciated yeah we're like we've cro i think we've crossed 700 five-star reviews at this point feels good thanks to that's everybody that's done that hey ben people can talk to us using the twitter and the hashtag greatest gen recently we've we've seen a lot of uh of pictures of old men in, uh, in combat <laughs> uniforms. <laughs> yeah. We've uh, slowly but surely been infiltrated by the other greatest generation. Yeah. Uh, uh, but people can talk about uh, the greatest generation podcast and also uh, the show and talk to other viewers using that hashtag. And they can talk to us directly using our handles. I'm at Cut for Time and Ben is at Benjamin R. AHR. We're also uh, actively participating in the 
Maximum Fun Reddit and the Greatest Gen Reddit. Um, both of those are uh, lively communities, and uh, there's lots of discussion about our show uh, and other Trek and Maximum Fun related stuff, respectively. Uh, there's also Facebook groups and uh, Facebook pages that you should get involved with. Uh, and there's just like a wealth of ways to interact with the show online outside of outside of listening to the pod. So get involved. Great group of peeps. People ask us all the time, where do you get that awesome music? It's the best music. It's amazing. It's Everybody amazing. talks about how good it is. Okay. Uh, that music was made by Dark Materia, and you can search for and find the Picard song wherever free songs are found on the internet, which is everywhere. It was so free on the internet that we just helped ourselves to it, and then after the fact, we were like, God, we were real dicks to do that, and we sent Dark Materia an email, and Dark Materia was kind enough to say, like, have fun, enjoy using the song for your stupid podcast. So go get that song and everything else Dark Materia does, because yeah. uh, we're big fans. Yes, and uh, we should also thank Adam Ragusia, who makes the music that you hear uh, when we play a Priority One message. Uh, Adam Ragusia has a great podcast called The Pub that you should definitely listen to if you're interested in podcasts and public media. He's done just about everything to support our show. Five-star review, uh, donation to Maximum Fun. Mentions us on other shows. Yeah, he's, he's really hip for the cycle. Yeah. Love that guy. Is that it, Ben? That is just about it. With that, we will be back at you next with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and a episode of The Greatest Generation that is sitting in the chair. An episode of The Greatest Generation that cannot go under 55 miles an hour. (laughs) Good one, Ben. Good pod. Good pod. Later, buddy. Have a good night, man. You too. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.